Today on Security Science, we're discussing Intrigue.io. It's a digital fingerprinting and discovery tool. Thank you and welcome to Security Science. Today we're going to discuss digital fingerprinting and using Intrigue.io with its creator, former VP of Ops at BugCrowd and current head of research at Kenna Security, Jonathan Cran, heretofore to be referred to as J. Cran. How's it going today? Really good. Hey, Dan. Intrigue.io, pretty cool uh, solution that you've put together here. And I know you use it a lot to look up some of the bugs and some of the crazy vulnerabilities that occur online all the time. We get a chat about some of the output in Slack all the time. What is Intrigue.io? Why did you create it? Yeah, good good question. Uh, Effectively, it's a platform to discover attack surface on the internet. And it's an open core platform. And so the engine, the actual discovery components of the platform are open and available for people to look at and to interact with and to, to run on their own. Awesome. And I just want to be clear here, just so everyone knows, Kenna Security has no vested interest in Intrigue.io. I know that um, a lot of the core functionality is kind of free to use, free to sign up, all that good stuff. And you do charge for pieces of it. Um, do you want to break down some of that stuff real quick? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for calling that out. I mean, we sort of started building this open source solution years ago uh, in 2013. And, uh, you know, initially, it was kind of like the ideas of Metasploit and Maltigo kind of uh, put together in this this data-driven discovery engine. And over over the years, you know, folks uh, continued to use it and, and kept asking me to build like a hosted service for it. And so that's actually what Intrigue.io is. But um, we've kept the the discovery and the you know the power of it open, which is pretty novel. Uh, I don't I don't know of any other platform that's you know this open with what it's doing. And so there's there's been a lot of growth in this attack surface discovery market and in this this kind of area of the world where you know folks are putting more stuff online, they're putting more stuff in the cloud. Everything's kind of software driven these days. Like you know mm-hmm. you're just not buying big iron anymore. And so everything's super dynamic. And so what, what Intrigue is really good at is finding those sort of dynamic assets and uh, you know, making them more visible to you. And actually, Ed Bellis and I uh, did a presentation in 2018 together on this uh, called Recon for Defenders. And so what we did is we used Intrigue to go out and discover the Fortune 500 and find all this crazy stuff that's just exposed to the internet, both in you know, their traditional data center, but also in the cloud. Uh, and so you know, we kind of continued that, that uh, process of discovering more and more. And so it runs on a pretty regular basis. And like you said, we get a bunch of stats about what the actual Fortune 500 are running, where their vulnerabilities are. Uh, we've got really uh, high quality insight now. So uh, I assume keeping that uh, list kind of running and scanning costs money. So it's- Of course. Yeah, gotcha. So I just wanted to call that out there and make sure, you know, we're up front uh, on this podcast at the outset that, you know, there is a paid component of this. We're not trying to push it. Um, We just thought that the topic of digital fingerprinting and using Intrigue.io in general is pretty powerful and cool topic in and of itself. So, yeah. So going back to 2013, why did you create this? Yeah, really good question. Um, in 2013, there really wasn't, uh, you know, a, a set of tools that you could use to kind of comprehensively discover the attack surface of an organization. You could use Multigo, but there wasn't really a commercial, or sorry, there wasn't a free free version of it uh, that you could use to scale. And um, I wanted to, as a pen tester, be able to automatically go from knowing what a piece, what an asset was, to knowing what software it was running, to knowing what vulnerabilities were on it. 
and do all that through automation. And there was like, there were things like Metasploit Autopone, mm-hmm. uh, but there was no you know sort of iterative uh, discovery engine. And so this became a tool that we were using on pen tests to start with. And then eventually we just decided to, to scale it up and do more and more and more of this. Uh, and so now we're like, I think looking at a hundred thousand companies at any given time. Wow. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty fun. What's cool about it though, is like, uh, all those, those pieces, the finger printer is called intrigue ident. And so it's all, I think there's something like a thousand pieces of software uh, that it checks for now. And it, it maps all of those to NVD names. So it's very simple to go from, we discovered this piece of software to here are all the vulnerabilities that we believe are associated with it and does it all through inference. Uh, and that's something we've done a bunch of work here at Kenna on too, is, is uh, vulnerability inference. And so, um, you know, I, I hear folks all the time say, oh, I don't know where my middleware is. Well, you can use something like this to go out and, uh, you know, point it at an asset or point it at a, a network range and uh, find all the pieces of software and then understand what the vulnerabilities in that middleware are. Because like lots of middleware will leave little traces. You know, you'll see it in the server headers or you'll see it in a cookie or you'll see it in a, uh, just a piece of the body. Like it's, it appends information into the body. So you can kind of find these different pieces of software that aren't readily apparent. You know, it may look like it's PHP, but actually in the back end, there's some Oracle web logic running, uh, things like that. Wow. So Real quick, we'll go back. NVD, National Vulnerability Database. So essentially names what a vulnerability is, how it works, all that good stuff. So it ties that back in there. And then digital fingerprinting, you're essentially laying out exactly what software, what hardware you can see, and then what vulnerabilities lie. So can you break down some of the that inference, right? How does that work? You're scraping information where, like you said, places you typically wouldn't think to look for it. So you're finding some of the software there and then you're making educated guesses, essentially. Walk me through that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the way we organize it with Ident is we buy vendor write checks uh, for particular pieces of software that look in one or many different areas of the response. So it's primarily focused on the application layer, but it does do also network layer. So let's let's talk about the application layer to start. So we'll look at things like headers. Uh, we'll look at cookies. We'll look at body responses. We'll look at generator tags. Um, we'll look at the actual codes coming back from the server, you know, like a 500 code is a, an error on the server. So if you get a 500 and a particular body string, well, then we know, you know, for example, that might be Cloudflare. Taking all those pieces of information, we can then generate a profile for a given asset. And because, uh, like we mentioned, NVD has a very standard naming scheme, really CVE uh, from MITRE in combination with NVD. NVD is the one that actually puts a a common platform enumeration string, a CPE string on uh, a CVE, on a vulnerability. CVE is common vulnerabilities and exposures. Right, and so each vulnerability actually has a CPE string associated with it saying, these are the pieces of software that are affected. And so you can use that CPE string to map to the CVE itself. That's super interesting. So you could figure out kind of what software and say Windows Server, version, you know, 800 point blah, 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 blah. And then you can be like, based off of that, we know that these are the holes that it typically has. These are some of the notes that it has from patching, all that good stuff. So we're going to go ahead and guess that you don't have these in in place yet because you need this version to patch these things. And it's not perfect. Uh, I mean, there's certainly uh, uh, places where you'll have a mitigation already in place 
or uh, for whatever reason, that particular platform isn't affected. So like uh, there's even some backporting intelligence built into IDENT uh, that will say, hey, this is running on CentOS or it's running on Red Hat based on also that same response. So we're going to go ahead and decline to infer vulnerabilities because we don't believe that we can get them specific enough. And in fact, that's a really cool thing. That's uh, It's not just specific to Red Hat. There's actually this inference attribute associated with each check. And so in many cases, we won't get specific enough information to be able to infer vulnerabilities. But when we do, we set that inference flag to true, and then it runs through NVD. Basically, we don't have high enough confidence. We're not going to do this work. Or, hey, we think we, we got something here. Let's go turn this on and run it through the second level check so we can you know really call those out. Exactly right. We did some work a while ago on the Kenna blog around uh, the exchange vulnerability uh, that's been sort of in, in the front of everybody's mind. And the way we actually did that, uh, that sort of survey of the internet to figure out which uh, systems were vulnerable was we used the uh, Outlook Web Access uh, ID version string, which would then cleanly map back to the exchange version through a table that Microsoft publishes and really like a series of like 15 different tables after digging through all their documentation. And so we, we mapped that OA version to the Exchange version, then we could tell which versions of Exchange people were running. It's not like they publish that directly. Yeah. So you can kind of do neat things like that to be able to infer these these backend server versions. So using workarounds to go positively identify software versions. You sound kind of like a pen tester. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? right? (laughs) That's pretty cool. Okay. So now we have kind of an understanding of the general, how it works. And you've actually done a nice use case on how you've done some workarounds to identify some stuff. How do you typically use the tool? Yeah, good question. We were talking about IDENT, which is the fingerprinter itself. And it's really only one component. IDENT fits nicely. It runs independently as a a command line tool and it's Dockerized. So you can basically just run a single string. It downloads it from Docker Hub and runs it. Uh, But that that library also, which runs on the command line, also runs inside Core, which is the larger engine. And Core is the iterative component. So when you plug in a domain, for example, uh, Core is the thing that goes out and you know scans for assets in that domain using DNS or using you know Nmap or or whatever tooling, uh, and then fingerprints each one of those things with IDENT. But as it finds things, it, it continually iterates, finding network services, finding more more subdomains, uh, finding hosts. And so you can kind of think about it like a recursive process that just keeps identifying stuff. And as it identifies it, it finds more vulnerabilities and it just keeps going. And the question becomes like, how do you not scan the entire internet uh, using this, this one particular uh, thing that you're looking up, a particular domain? Well, it's got some smarts around um, where it can traverse and where it doesn't traverse. It's kind of like a graph-based algorithm. So uh, when it runs into, like, let's say Amazon AWS, but you're, you're just trying to look up Kenna Security, it'll say, hey, I know about Amazon AWS and we're going to decline to do that because we know that Amazon AWS belongs to Amazon. And so that's how it can kind of like just take a snapshot of a particular part of the internet without having to scan the entire thing at once. So you're not trying to scan the whole internet yet? <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's a time and a place. Uh, and so we do that too. But we tend to put that, that information in APIs like Shodan or Census. Uh, and in these, uh, you know, it's much, it's much cleaner to have these large scale data sets in an API where you can just query them versus trying to do all that all the time. Just so the audience knows, and we'll likely end up doing an episode on Shodan in and of itself would be my guess. But Shodan goes around and looks for essentially IP addresses that are open to the internet or using default creds. So you can go search up, hey, nanny cam in Hungary, right? And go find stuff. So it's basically using it as a targeting mechanism for intrigue, correct? 
Correct. Uh, and it's definitely one of the data sources. And uh, what's interesting is Shodan's kind of become this like default go-to to determine how severe a vulnerability is. We were, we were just talking the other day about the Telnet vulnerability, which is affecting a lot of different platforms right now. I think it was released by the Immunity guys. I mean, it's a really neat bug uh, and something that, you know, just has been around for 20 years, but nobody bothered to look for it. And uh, so Cisco, Cisco's Telnet D, they put out a, an announcement saying they were vulnerable. Well, what's the first thing you do? You go to Shodan to figure out how many of these things are on the internet. And I think in this case, there was a bunch, uh, 60,000, if I recall correctly, or maybe more. And so, yeah, it's nice to have that, that ability to kind of like get a rough prevalence. And then you use something like Intrigue to go out and say, am I vulnerable to this? So you'd scan your own infrastructure and just, let's go put this out there. Let's go figure out, do we have this Telnet bomb and where? That's kind of interesting about the digital footprinting space in general is, is this, uh, you know, the scanners are mostly external uh, anyway, so they can and they tend to iterate faster than the traditional vulnerability scanners just because they have, you know, they're sitting externally, they're cloud hosted in general. And so you can push a new check in within minutes and I can quickly scan the entire internet within minutes. I mean, we've, because we fingerprint so well, we'll, we'll use that initial fingerprinting to figure out, uh, should we try to check for vulnerabilities on these systems that we've already fingerprinted as Cisco. And so we can quickly say yes or no, this thing is likely vulnerable or not. And that's kind of a cool evolution in the space. And I think this is so key because attackers are moving faster and faster. And so you have to think like if we're if we're doing scans and caches of data about systems on the internet, of course attackers are doing this. Like it's only rational that they would have these sort of databases of things that are vulnerable. And so when we see the time to exploit decrease, you know, to like nothing, that's why there's already these caches of information that they're using to determine. That is something really interesting to think about. So these guys may have these kind of iterative caches and then they figure out a good way to exploit them and they already know where they are, essentially. Absolutely. Why scan if you already know where it is? Interesting. Yep. There's some stuff that's easy to scan. There's some stuff that's really hard to scan. You know, you need to, you know, a lot of the things that you can find with, with Shodan are IP based uh, and they have to respond to a particular IP. Uh, so you can get a set of software that way, but there's another set of software, which is configured with V hosts or virtual hosts, which you need to, you need to hit through DNS to be able to get access to it. And so, you know, I think there's, there's multiple levels of information about these systems on the internet. I'm thinking about this as well. You brought up vulnerability management scanning, right? And so you could think of that almost as internal base scans, right? We have access privileges. We can go set our, you know, commercialized scanner that we bought and paid for to go hit these things. Would you consider Intrigue seems more like a outside in look at fingerprinting essentially what you're what you're leaking or and or what you're exposing externally, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what it's strongest at today. Uh, it, it was designed to do external in. But the nice thing is that core engine can be hosted anywhere. It's Dockerized, so you can run it internally as well. We do have some folks doing that. Uh, it's not a super supported use case, but, you know, what's what's in what's internal and what's external anymore? I mean, yeah, that's it, a good point. In the end, uh, uh, if you're on the on the network, we can probably find you. <laughs> well, that's always fun. Don't scan for my home network, please. <laughs> I, I just don't want to know. Yeah, home networks are uh, a really interesting place of innovation right now. So are there any other uh, use cases you wanted to highlight from Intrigue? I know um, you pull out some pretty interesting stats quite regularly. I think Telnet 
um, your investigation of that was kind of an interesting use case. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to cover on that front? I mean, we, we use it for a bunch of different stuff here at Kenna. It's a data collection engine too. Um, so we'll use it for things like grabbing CVE data. Um, be, you know, in the end, like you're just grabbing information off web pages. So JCran, someone wants to go use intrigue.io and or IDEN, any of the components. Uh, what do they got to do? Yeah, just go to intrigue.io, and if you want to use the open source side, uh, sign up, and it'll point you there. Um, if you want to just get a look at uh, results that we have for your particular organization, just sign in with that domain, and it'll automatically map you in. Great. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today, Jay Cran. Um, I will link to intrigue.io, some of the blogs he was referencing earlier, and any other related information um, on the podcast landing page. And uh, outside of that, we look forward to chatting on probably Shodan next time. So thanks for uh, being on, Jake Ren. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan. Awesome.